Uh, we have Christmas Eve service here on Friday and Saturday night, as I'm sure they already told you. But also Sunday morning, we're going to have a Christmas service, about 45 minutes. It won't be long. And just encourage you to join us online to watch that. Um, it's actually going to be a little bit connected to what we're talking about in the Daniel series. Um, and so encourage you to uh, join us because we celebrate the first coming of Christ but we get to look forward to the second coming of Christ. And uh, the Bible talks of a rapture and a second coming. I encourage you to join us in on that message to take a look at that. So if you have your Bible, turn to Daniel, because we're in the book of Daniel. We've kind of been doing this study in Daniel where we're going verse by verse. We're talking about, uh, primarily about Daniel. He, he was part of the captivity, the, the group of people that were taken from Israel into Babylon he would have went there about 16 years old and would have served under four separate kings. And we've already talked about three of those kings. We talked about Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and then Darius, who we're going to talk about today. He was serving. And just to kind of refresh your memory a little bit, you know, Belshazzar said, because you interpreted my dream, you're now going to be third in the kingdom. And that night he died. So Daniel was maybe third in the kingdom for a couple of hours. But there's something that you're going to see in today's message we're going to talk about. And there's this, there's this, um, this idea that, uh, you know, when I was in college we, and, and we studied the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, um, there, there's this common thread that kind of came through. And I, and I want you to say it with me, okay? Cream always rises to the top. All right, one more time. Right? Okay, and your cream. And your cream. And I think that mentality has to get in our mind, and, and we'll get, we're going to get into it a little bit here in a moment, but I'm going to review what we talked about over the last few weeks, and then I'm going to get into today's message. The first week we talked about what culture wants to do, and we talked about last week how we live in the kingdom of God, in the culture of the kingdom of God, and there is a culture of the world. That's it. There are no other culture. It's the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom of God, period. And what we as believers try to do is we try to get the culture of the world to, to act more like the kingdom of God. Like we, in some ways, we want to redeem the culture of the world, and you can't. Because the king of that world is Satan, and he's not getting more evil. Culture's not getting more evil. Satan is not getting more evil. He's always been that bad, right? And the reason it appears to be more evil is because in our country, at least, we've seen uh, less people identifying with Christ, and they're identifying now with sexuality, they're identifying with activity, they're identifying with their wealth, they're identifying with their nationality. And as believers in the kingdom of God, our identity is, is, uh, is monotheistic. It's one thing, it's Christ. I like to golf, but I'm not a golfer. I like to preach, but I'm not a preacher. I like to do a lot of things, but that isn't who I am. Who I am is Christ, period. 
That's who I am. That's who I identify with is Christ. And it just so happens he's perfect. Right? So there is a perfection in him that I have in me because I identify with Christ. The world wants to identify you with your activities. Sexuality is the craziest thing to me. That's something you do. It's not who you are. It's not your eye. And it wants you to identify because it's, it's the only thing that you can identify in the culture of the world. We're not trying to redeem a culture. We're trying to go and redeem the people walking in the culture and bring them into the kingdom of God. That's why every one of us, when you see those bees, be- believe, belong, become, it's all about us. But the one bee build is about everyone else. Every one of us in here are called to build the kingdom of God all over the world. That's what we believe and belong and become for, is to build, to rescue people from the pit of hell and to bring them into the kingdom of God, to be a first aid station at the gate of hell and a hospital for hurting people. So we don't identify with the world or what we do. We identify with Christ. The second thing we talked about is who you're going to worship. You're going to worship the things that, that, because that's what culture does. Culture says, now worship all of these things. Be wowed by all these football catches and wowed by all the things they do, you know, what dogs do. You know, they, like my girls, they're constantly sending videos of what some dog is doing. I'm like, like... That's not even that cool. It's just, it's a dog, right? And, and so, but they constantly, they're like, wow, look at that. And look at, and we get so wowed. And, and, and I think at some point, and we don't ever stop to consider, when was the last time God wowed me? When was the last time I went like, God, you're incredible. That's amazing. Wow, that's amazing. I can't. Did you see what God did? Let me tell you what God did. Where we testify of the greatness of God. How many think God just might be a little bit better than anything you've seen on YouTube? Unless it's about God. <laughs> right? And then what the world does is says, worship these things. Now stop worshiping God. You don't need God. The world can wow you. The third one we talked about was the greatest sin, which was pride, and how God sometimes is opposing us because our pride wants to lead. Like We're like, God, you come along with me rather than, God, what are you doing? I want to come along with you. I want to walk with you. I want to, uh, you tell me where you're going. It's like when Joshua was sitting there and the angel Lord came to him and he said, whose side are you on? And the angel Lord goes, wrong question. The question is, is whose side are you on? I don't have a side. I am the side. You on my side. Are you with me or are you with your enemy? The fourth thing we talked about was the warning signs. Last week we talked about the warning signs and how God will give us warning signs. You know, a lot of t- everyone in here has heard the voice of God. I know the enemy's convinced you you probably didn't, but everyone in here has heard the voice of God. God has spoken to you. 
And you may have thought, well, maybe that was or maybe it wasn't. But that thought that came into your mind that constantly says, don't go down that road and, and don't go down that road, don't go down there, and then shows you what will happen if you go down that road. Like literally, not only do you know you shouldn't go down, but you see what's going to happen. That is God saying, don't, you think the enemy is telling you to go, not to go down a road that will bring destruction? <laughs> no, he's the one that put the road there. Right? And, and God speaks to us. He says, don't go down that road. And how many are glad for his mercy? Right? His mercy endures. They have, his mercy's there. But there's some point he says, don't keep going down this road because this is going to happen. At one point, I'm going to pull back my mercy and say, okay, my mercy for you is to let you experience it because you determined you have to do it. But his mercy is long-suffering. It just goes on and on because it doesn't want you to have to go down that road or to experience that thing. Right? So we should rejoice in the Lord that, wow, God, that's amazing that you've protected me to this point, but, but I'm going to turn. <laughs> I'm going to repent and change the direction I'm going and go in the direction you're leading me into. And, and, and today, I want to talk about really what culture's greatest need is, and that is you. The people in the culture that are here right now, in the world right now, their greatest need is you to be Christ. Their greatest need is for you not to have an identity crisis. Their greatest need is for you to show them what Christ looks like and what it means to live as Christ. Because they don't know what that means. They have no idea what that means. Turn in Daniel chapter 6, ver chapter six verse 1 through 5. And if you don't have your Bible, you can look up on the screen. I really do encourage you, you know, we have technology, which is incredible. I encourage you to bring your Bible um, and I personally like one of these. Uh, it's, this is called the book, for those who don't know. It actually has paper pages in it. Um, they still make them. And, uh, and you can write in it, and you can touch it. It's, it's, there's something about it I think is still uh, timeless. You may read everything else online, but I encourage you to get a, a hard, touchable book, Bible, that you can hold on to. Here's what it says in verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. So there's 120 leaders over the nation of the Persian and Medes and three that oversee those 120. One of them was Daniel. That's pretty amazing. He's not even a Mede or a Persian. That's incredible. He has, there should be no reason at all that he's even a satrap, but he's now leading them. And it says that uh, the satraps were made accountable to him so that the king might not suffer loss. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Here is this captivity Israelite that was taken at 16 into Babylon, and God has caused him to rise to the top because why? Because you, you, cream, cause cream always rises to the top. 
It was very political. It was probably, the satraps, they wanted to get rid of him. You're gonna, we're going to read it in a moment. They wanted to push him down, but cream always, because of the exceptional qualities that he had. Now, right now, there are two lies. There, there's a lie you believe and an activity that we often don't do, okay? And the, 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 this is the lie you believe. Okay, you ready? This is the lie you believe. You are not exceptional. You say, you know, cream always rises to the top. That's a great preaching point, Pastor. And I'll even shout amen. And, and I'll, I'll say, yeah, that's right. And I know the scripture. But not in my case, not with me. I don't rise to the top. Only because you believe a lie. You're believing a lie. That there's nothing exceptional about you. And yet, there is. You're an exceptional person. Not just a little bit. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to look at yourself. Not even me. I want you to look at yourself. Do you see yourself as being exceptional? Be honest with yourself. Do you view yourself as being exceptional? Or do you always look at your failures? Do you always look at the, the, the mistakes you make and look at how you're not enough? Okay, close your eyes. You're not looking at anyone else. Are you exceptional? Until you start believing, I'm exceptional. Right now, you need a miracle, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person in here would start to, like their eyes would open and their ears would open so they would begin to hear the truth that would set them free from this lie. The more powerful truth that defeats the lie right now in Jesus' name. Now look up here for a moment. See, here, here's what happens. When God created you, he created you to be exceptional. Here's the catch. Your exceptionality can't be exceptional until it's plugged in. Most of us underestimate the importance with spending time with Jesus and plugging into the truth of Christ. When we don't plug into the power source our exceptionality gets buried in all of our failures. And you say, well, pastor, I, I've seen what I'm not. I'm just a normal, average person. Do you not think Daniel was a normal, normal, average person? Right? But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that spoke to the void, let there be, and something appeared from nothing it came something. We call things that are not as though they were. How can, how can that be written in the New Testament? When that happened in the Old Testament, God called things that were not as though they were, and he said to his believers, to us who are exceptional, to call things that are not as though they were. Somebody needs to be agreeing with this more than just the five people who said Amen. And somebody needs to be amen because you have been believing this lie that you're not smart enough, that you're not, uh, you don't have the name, you don't have the money, you don't have the position, and, and you live in, a t in this workplace that God wants you to be the cream that rises to the top and you don't believe you can be because I'm just average. 
and you're not. Do you ever feel like the, the moments when you're talking to a wall? Because that's what I'm feeling right now. I feel like in some cases I'm talking to this wall. Like, you go ahead, Pastor, but I'm not letting you get to this point because there's no way. I just don't believe it. And the enemy has rooted. You, you, you're like, somebody sent me near. Pat, what are some of the lies that we believe? This is one of them. You are exceptional. Can you even say that about yourself? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a pretty exceptional person. Right? You know, if, it's funny because if you're not able to do it, there, it's not just funny. It's not just a joke. Something's going on inside of you. Because cream does rise to that. You know what's amazing is it doesn't matter what the world tries to do. Cream will always rise to the top. It will go around obstacles to rise to the top. It just does. And God wants to raise you just as that same power. You say, well, well, how, how is it that I'm going to rise to the top? Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that created everything, lives in you. So I have insight that people don't have. I have wisdom people don't have. I have intelligence way beyond some people. Because I don't just see in the natural world. I see in the supernatural world. I see in a world beyond this. I see how things are being impacted by something that is not seen. You say, well, how is that in Scripture? Daniel came and interpreted the dreams because Daniel could see in the unseen world and in the seen world. And he was elevated. We are that people. We are the people. That's why this world needs us to be who we are. The world needs to see, or the, the people in the world needs to see, needs the believers to be the cream that rises to the top instead of the people who hide under a rock. It, it goes on. He says, so, so the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So even here, they were trying to destroy Daniel, and they couldn't. They couldn't destroy Daniel because God already had a plan. God was elevating. God was promoting. A man can't tear down what God lifts up. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this Daniel, so I'm just going to quit. See, we, we are to be distinguished by our exceptional qualities. God's calling us to those qualities. As you pursue him, he works those qualities out in us. So what are those qualities? 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who, with unveiled faces, will reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Where does it come from? Not your efforts. It comes from the Lord. As you spend time in the presence of God, His glory shines in you, and you shine to the world. Your, His glory shines upon your face. It is a lot less of what you're preaching about and a lot more of what you're reflecting. 
that you're reflecting the glory of the word. See, here's the problem. I think a lot of Christians, we, we don't like what the world's doing, so we try to take God's word and use it as a sword to stab people with it rather than to use it for life. Christians were not called to be weird and strange and to be mean and rude. We were called, really, we were to be attractive to the world. That there was something about us that said, I don't even agree with them, but I just want to be around them. Like, when I'm around them, I feel love. When I'm around them, I feel alive. When I'm around them, there's peace. Like when we go over to their home and we sit and play games in their home, I feel peace. There was a, there was a neighbor we had in Michigan, and, and I, you know, I'd never even thought about it, but it's just our home. It was how it was brought up. And, and, and my wife, you come into my house, the heatherness is all over our house. You know, the glory of Heather is all around you. She decorates it. What was in her comes out on the walls, right? And... Uh, and, and they would come into our house, and they would always want to come to our house. In fact, her neighbors always, and Heather was getting a little bothered. She's like, why don't they ever invite us to their homes? I don't know why, but they didn't. One of our neighbors, as they, they left, and then the husband came back, and he said, nobody tells you this, but when we come to your home, we feel peace that we don't even feel in our own home. It's attractive where people want to be in the peace that you provide because where you stand is holy, set apart. Where you stand, like you are, you know, when, when Jacob was sitting in the place and he, was dreaming, and he said he, he saw the angels ascending and descending. And, he said, and, and, and when, he, when he goes, sees the dream, wakes up in the morning, he goes, surely this is the house of God. And that's where we got our name. Bethel's rock. He took the rock and he set it up and he said, Luz is now called Bethel. Bethel's rock. And this is the house of God, right? Not only should this be a place that when people come to, they feel the peace of God, like something, because it's not, it's, it's the atmosphere more than it is the words. Like God, when he speaks, when God says peace, he doesn't even need to say peace you just feel peace. Like there's just peace. Right? It's, it's like when, when I got I had kidney stones a, a few years ago, I was so tensed up and, and pain was horrible. They say it's like having a baby. And the thing is just a little dinky thing, right? And they say it's like having a baby. If, if that's having a baby, I'd never had babies. Because <laughs> it's painful, Right? And, and I'm laying in the room, and the lady says, you're going to feel something go over your body. And they gave me the Dilatin, and a Dilata or whatever it is, and it literally went from my head, and just, just like they said, it flowed. And I went, I said, I, I, I understand. I understand why people want this stuff, because it was incredible sense of just, whew, it was gone. When you've been living your life in anxiety, and you step into peace, it doesn't matter what you believe. I need this. I want this. Are you with me? 
we're too busy trying to argue and fight people into the kingdom. You're never going to do it. You need to bring the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost into that place where they step into the godness of what he is. What is God? He's love. What is God? He's those. And they step in and they go, wow, this is amazing. You're peculiar. When everyone's freaking out, you have peace. When everyone's depressed, you have joy. When everyone hates, you love. You're a peculiar people. Not weird, not mean, not rude, not strange. You're peculiar because you don't act like everyone else. There's something about you. When we walk into your house, it's different than everyone else's home because it's, it's peculiar because the Spirit of the Lord is there and His glory shines on you. I'm going to make a leap from Daniel to Revelation. I'm going to talk about something in Revelation. Revelation 4, 6 through 7 says, In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And the four, first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And John sees this throne, and there's a lot of what John saw in Revelation that we see in Daniel, there were visions that they, similar visions that they had. And, and I want to talk about these faces because there's some theologians that really believe that these faces represent the faces of God. In fact, in Ezekiel 1.10, it says, their faces look like this. Each of the four had a face of a human being, the right side the face of a lion, the left side the face of an ox, and then the face of an eagle. In verse 28 of Ezekiel, it says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. So I want to talk about the faces of God, because if our identity is Christ, and these these are the faces of God, then we are these faces. This is our identity. The, the identity, so, so, so identifying rather than with sexuality, I'm identifying as an ox. <laughs> and you look at the thing, you're, you're sitting there going, I am not identifying with that, right? <laughs> There's some of you kind of have a little bit right here, you know, you got a little bit growing on your face right now. The ox is the face of a servant. It's the face of a servant. You know, when the disciples were walking with Jesus one time, Jesus heard them arguing, but he's walking, and, and I, it would have been pretty intimidating walking with God in a bod. I mean, like, we all know God sees everything, right? But you forget that sometimes. Right? And so, so you don't think about, but if God was there walking with you, and they're, they're in the back, and they're arguing about something, and, and probably because James and John's mom went to Jesus and said, hey, can, they, can you know, James and John have the right and left side of you and the throne? And Jesus said, well, it's not really mine to give, you know, and, and, and oh, oh, that's okay, but, but can they have one side, or can they, you know, who's, and, and so I think they're arguing, you know, Peter, James, and John, and, are, and they're arguing, the disciples are arguing, and what are they arguing about? Well, Jesus is about to find out. He sits down, he already knows. He goes, uh, what were you guys talking about? Well, nothing, Jesus, not, not to bother you with it, no worries. You know, ever, do you ever get caught in something, you're like, oh, that's embarrassing, I don't even want to, him to know we were talking about this. And he says, come on, tell me. And then he tells him, you know, if you want to be great, because that's what they were arguing about, who is the greatest in heaven. He says, if you want to be great, you need to serve. You need to serve. See, this is where I think we can stop and say, what culture, what culture am I striving in? Because if I'm in the culture of the world, 
And I know there are only two cultures. Just as there's only ser- either serve mammon or God, one or the other. There's only two cultures. In this culture of the world, I'm striving to make a name for myself. See, when we think of Daniel, you can look at it from two different cultures. You can go, oh, what do I need to be like Daniel? What do I need to do to become like Daniel? I'm going to strive to become like Daniel because I want, I want to be great. I want everybody to know about me. I want people to talk about me in history. I want them to talk about how great I am. And that's when we think from the culture of the world. It's really centered around me. But in the kingdom of God, God elevates us for his glory. And we just obey to what he's calling to. I believe that God's going to elevate me to whatever it is, and I'm content with whatever he does through me to bring glory to himself. It's a different mindset. And in the world, it says, I want people to serve me. And when they don't serve me the way I want to be served, then I'm going to make a big deal about it. I'm going to attack them rather than say, you know what? I'm going to serve the person serving me. If I'm going to be great, In eternity, in the kingdom of God, if I'm going to be great in God's eyes, it comes by serving others. The face of service. Now, I'm not a wash-your-feet person. We brought a bunch of bowls and water, and so we're going to have everybody wash feet this morning. I was just waiting for people to get up and go to the bathroom and never return. I always found myself getting sick on those evenings. Anyone like that? Like, I really don't need to wash your feet to serve you. I'll go shovel your driveway. (laughs) And I think you'd rather me shovel your driveway than wash your your corns on your toes. But (laughs) somebody say amen, right? I don't want to deal with the bunions. I'll deal with the ice. The the reality is every year we, we do a serve day or serve week where we try to serve people If we're going to be the glory of God, the first thing we do, if we're going to be in the identity of God, is the first thing we do. If we're going to preach the gospel, the the first thing we do is serve people. Every day, how do I serve somebody? How do I go out of my way for what's expected of me to serve someone? When you become the, because Daniel, he served It said that they would not suffer loss because that's why the king put him in charge because he knew he could trust Daniel, that he would serve. He would go beyond what was expected of him. Listen, if you're a millennial, there's this thing that you've coined called silent quitting. Believers don't silent quit. If you can't give 100% of your effort, quit and let them hire someone else and go to a place where you can give all of your effort. Because it brings shame on the cross, on the glory of God, when we as believers silent quit. Nobody said amen to that, so I'll move on. Maybe you don't know what it is. Silent quitting is, I'm going to do just what I need to do to keep a job, but I'm not putting any effort or energy into it. I'm just going to just do just enough to be there, and I've already kind of quit, and I'm looking other places, but I'm, I'm just collecting a paycheck. That is not the culture in the kingdom of God. That's not cream rising to the top. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says, Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Here's the second one is the man, the face of love. 
the face of love. People want a doctrinal debate. And you know the world, it wants to have a doctrinal debate with you. You know why? Because that's how they view this. It's religion. But because we're people of relationship, we don't take the gospel through doctrinal debates. We take the doctrinal through relationship and love. It's love. God is love. We love because he first loved us. We love people. Not because they deserve it. Not because they're nice to us. We love people. When somebody offends us, what do we do? We love them. Look at what it says in John. It says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you so that you must so that you must love one another. Let's read this together. Let's all read it together. It's up on the screen. Let's all read the whole verse here. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you It means you want to know who you are as a believer, how are you loving people? How are you loving the person who offended you? How are you loving the unbeliever? How are you loving the people who disagree with you? How are you loving the people who persecute you? How do you love them? And it says you must love. And this is how we show we're disciples. Because that kind of love that we show people is the thing that people feel when they come into our homes. Where we just love them. And they're like, I don't get that anywhere else. But when I come into your home, I get that. I don't get that with any other relationship. But when I'm with you, I feel loved. I feel secure. I feel like I could share anything with you. Because even after I share it, you still love me. Even when I do boneheaded things, you still love me. See, believers aren't consumers of relationships to get position and stuff. Believers use position and and resources to get relationships. How many wished you would have collected more relationships over life than stuff that your kids don't even want? Here's the third face, the eagle. It's the face of respect. And I think we all know there needs to be more honor and respect. Honor people we like. We honor people we agree with. We honor people that have earned it. We honor people we feel deserved it. There is this sense, this an American lie that we believe. If I'm going to honor it, you, you need to earn it. You need to earn it. And God says, you think that Nebuchadnezzar, do you think Darius, do you think Belshazzar earned Daniel's respect? No. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego honored them and respected them. As godless as they were, they honored and respected them. And you say, well, no, they didn't, they didn't bow. Yeah, until it superseded their honor for God. They said, we can't bow to you. We honor you, but we can't bow to you because you're not God. He's God, and I honor him higher than you. So even though I don't agree with you, I've honored you, I've served you, I've done things, I respected you, I didn't talk behind your back, I haven't gossiped, I've honored and respected you, but I will not bow to you. 
And it's a place in a culture where there is no honor and respect, where we attack people all around us. God has called us, Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That, that we are to honor and respect. Here's the, the fourth face, the face of the lion. It's the face of the lion. Before I move on, how many have ever seen a, let me go back to the, to the, to the face of the uh, eagle. How many have seen a bald eagle, right? See, you can raise your hand. When I was in Michigan, there were no bald eagles. They're all over Minnesota. In fact, at the Richfield, when we were in the middle school at Richfield, I met in this little between two doors, the outside door and the door that went into the hallway that went into the auditorium. And that's where I prayed every Sunday morning. And I'd look out the window, and there'd be a bald eagle often that would be in the middle of the field back there, and it would just stand there with that crown of white. And it'd just stand there, and it'd look over the field. It was a massive bird. And, and I, it was always amazing to me because I'd just never seen a bald eagle until I came to Minnesota. And I'm driving down 35... A w and I see that thing for the first time when I first moved here, and I saw that thing fly over right on the south side of, of Minneapolis on 35W. There is a bird that would often fly, and I remember the first time I saw him, and he went like this, he went whoop, and then he soared with one thing, and he soared. I mean, it, it was so impressive. I was like, wow, that is... That is so impressive. I mean, I even felt a little patriotic. I was like, my country tis. And you just wanted to like, wow, that's our bird, man. That's our bird. You honor, you honor. Like when you see it, you just kind of are in awe and respect of it. That's what honor and respect is. That's what people do. They go, wow. You show honor even when people don't deserve it. Wow. Like you show love. When people have not earned it, you, there's, there's something about you that like when, when people of the world look at you, they're just like, wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. Then there's the face of the lion. It's the face of boldness. Proverbs 28 says the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, God has called us, one, to be a voice, to speak. Um, one of the statistics I think they gave was um, 50, I think it was like 53% I heard, and I don't know if that's correct or not, but they said it and it caught me. They said 53% of the, they were arguing why abortion's fine and why we shouldn't uh, overturn, or we shouldn't have overturned Roe versus Wade. And they said 53% of Americans agree that there should be abortion. <laughs> 47% say there shouldn't. Like, they're Americans as well. It's not this foregone conclusion. Millions of people have a different opinion, right? Listen, yeah, there may be a lot of people in the world who disagree with you, but you still have a voice. Do you, do you realize when Jesus and his disciples started, 
there was only about 150 of them with thousands around them, and they turned the world around. The Bible calls it, it said they turned the world upside down. Don't lose hope. Why are we losing hope? Why are we buying into this lie that the world is telling us that the church is dying in America, that we're no longer a place where God reigns? Why are we buying into the lie and the narrative that the world is telling us? They're, the, they're believing the lie. It's not us against the world, it's us against the enemy, Satan. And we're trying to reach those people for the gospel. And as far as it's concerned, for me, I have that calling. That's what I'm called to you. I can't make you do it, but I'm asking you to join me. I'm asking you to join me in this journey of redeeming people, not culture. We don't need to legislate more laws. We need to take the heart and begin to turn the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. A beating heart that we change the world one soul as a at a time so we need to be as bold as lions how should we respond to culture john 1 14 says the word became flesh and made dwelling among us we have seen his glory and the glory of the one and his holy son who came from the father full of grace and truth how do we do it we show grace we show god's incredible grace and then we share the truth grace because we all need a Savior and truth because it's the only thing that can set people free. We show them the grace of God. And we say, when, when God opens the door, we be the person who speaks truth. You see, truth needs fertile soil. And we have to be ready to speak when that soil is ready for planting. But so many Christians are so afraid of what people might say about them, God presents them fertile soil, and we say, oh, I'm going to back away. I don't want to offend anybody. What's worse, an offended soul or a hell-bound soul? You got to take a risk. I'll, I'll never forget Mackenzie really challenged me with this. Uh, when she was in high school, she had a friend that wasn't serving the Lord who was in high school. Will you stand? And she, she said, she told Heather and I, we're, we're at dinner. She goes, Dad and Mom, I need you to pray because I'm, I'm going to talk to my friend about Jesus. And she would organize it. She's got to, like, organize everything out. And so she was organizing how she was going to get the conversation to move so she could invite and introduce Jesus to her and preach. And what challenged me was she was intentional about what she was doing. She's like, I have relationships with unbelievers that I'm not just using for my benefit. God has entrusted those relationships to me so that I can invest in them ultimately to bring them to Jesus so, so that they won't spend an eternity in hell. How many people do you know that you've invested your time and energy in and they're going to hell? They're really not friends if we haven't introduced them to Jesus. And there's some, you've talked to them, but it's just like, like, like what I was saying, talking to a wall when I said you're exceptional. Did you know you're exceptional? You did? And you rise to the top. Cream always rises to the top, doesn't it? You're exceptional. Say that one more time. I'm exceptional. 
right? Father, in the name of Jesus, there are exceptional people in this room, exceptional people in this room that are not lacking anything in this room. They're not lacking anything because your spirit is in them. All of the power of heaven is in them by your Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray right now, you know the relationships they have. I pray in this moment that you just begin dropping, putting their, their faces of those people in their, in their minds. The, the most fertile first, Lord. I pray the ones that are ready right now, Lord, that they didn't even know it until this moment, but you're showing them right now people who are fertile for the good news. They've, they've been exceptional. They've shown the faces of Christ in their life. They've walked this out. And, and you have brought people into their life right now that they are going to personally lead to you. Give them the boldness to do that right now. Give them the boldness of your Holy Spirit. You said when you baptized in the Holy Ghost, Lord God, you gave us boldness. I pray right now that you do that. That they would even intentionally begin to plan. Invite them over. That they would intentionally plan. And Lord, that you would open their hearts. And that you would open their... So when they come that these exceptional people in this room would have the words, the confidence, the boldness to speak life, and they would get saved. I pray that everybody that's hearing this, my voice right now in this room and online, right now, would literally begin to see people come to Christ in the next few weeks. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.